five, ladies and gentlemen. We are at stage five in terms of pandemic protocol. I don't exactly know what the protocol is because I feel like we slipped into this really bad situation once again, but no one's really doing anything about it. You yeah. know, um, you see a lot of people not masking, people resisting the vaccine. Um, you know, this this matter's being politicized, and unfortunately, while we had bigger plans to be running by September, that does not look like it's going to be the case. And in fact, the likelihood of us even running in January of 2022 is looking highly unlikely. Uh, in spite of the fact that things seem to be running amok, you know, we're in the midst of a, a hurricane at the moment. <laughs> They're shutting down refineries. People are putting spikes on their fucking cars and putting on leather gear. You know, we're entering this this no man's land type era of uh, of, of our, our timeline. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, I uh, speaking personally, I think we are shut down for the foreseeable future until things really get under control. In spite of the fact that you see people still running uh, their shows. I know. I know there've been a number of companies that have actually shut down until the next year. Yeah. For example, Heavy Metal has shut down. Yep. They just they just finished up their last contracted event uh, this weekend as we're recording. I think Sabotage is officially shut down for the rest of the year. They mm-hmm. canceled their upcoming event. Yeah. It's uh, it sucks, man. It's hard for everybody. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, the only companies that don't seem to be really too concerned are the ones who. Uh, cater to the mudflat polishers up north, you know? Like, you got a lot of people up up, up in the more, more rural parts of uh, Texas who don't believe that there's a pandemic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Well, they were, they were running fucking high school um, basketball venues uh, even during the, the peak of it, so... Yeah. What the fuck, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and it... it for me personally, wrestling has been the last thing on my mind as, as you see uh, children getting really sick from this. There's yeah. not a single ICU bed in our county right now for children. There's not a pediatric ICU bed available. It's horrifying. And uh, you have a lot of people who are just fighting the most basic thing, which is just, I don't know what ever happened to the mentality of just better safe than sorry. Um, yeah. I think at this point, I'm personally going to urge that hey, get vaccinated, uh, wear a mask. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's get back to normal, guys. I, I think it's it's a uh, I think we can say that's an official Inspire Pro, and Inspire Pro AD. What the fuck's the name of the company? It's Inspire. It's AD. an Inspire AD policy. We haven't <laughs> run in so long that this doesn't even know what the company's called. So you, see, do you see how you people out there are <laughs> fucking with this guy across from me? He's go, lost, man. Go get vaccinated. Wear your fucking masks. Stay six feet away from people. Maybe we should make some Inspire AD masks. That would be cool. Yeah, let's do I'm that. I'm good with it. Yeah, let's you know, know what that would take. I remember. Uh, I didn't know how long this was going to go on for, but I remember when I started seeing kind of like more fashionable masks, you know, masks that kind of like uh, people wore that kind of, you know, advertised their identity, the things that they were into. I thought like, that's stupid. That's fucking dumb. And now like we're we're into this fairly deep and my kid is like losing his mind over fucking Pixar masks and shit. It it is really sad though. I was talking about this recently where... um, my children get upset if they can't find specific masks, but they get excited about masks. If they see a cool mask, they get excited. And if they can't find their mask, they get upset. Um, and and it's and I'm glad that my kids are so uh, they're so stalwart about wearing masks. You know, they they get it. My, they're children and they get it. Um, but the tragedy is that they even have to have this be a normal thing in their lives. Still, at the same time, we're living through. Um, a historical moment and so many people are complaining about the fact that they have to make sacrifices and do things that they don't feel should be the norm you know we had a great depression once upon a time in this country where people actually had to live off of sawdust soup yeah people got so little to eat that they were permanently stunted in terms of their growth and I've talked to people who've been through the Great Depression before and you listen to them reflect on that that time of tribulation and you realize like what blubbering pussies so many of the people are in this country just like just put on a fucking mask and shut the fuck up 
Yeah. You know? And, and the funny thing is, too, you know, it's the same fuckers that will post, like, the picture of Normandy and then post some, some kids at the mall and be like, oh, they're all soft. Like, those are the fucks that can't put on a mask or get vaccinated, you know? Like, it's just, it's very funny. You know, I gotta also say, when you contrast kids at the mall to the people at Normandy, the people at Normandy did what they did so that kids could do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I have such, an, I have such a, a, a disdain toward many people who glorify the military. I, I respect the fact that people want to defend their values, but please don't look down on people that don't make that sacrifice. Yeah. It's just, it's ludicrous because you, you, if you're overseas or anywhere fighting for your country, you're fighting for the every man and you're fighting for people who can lead normal lives. You do what you do so that people can just leave, with, leave uh, their house without fear and go do what people should be able to do, which is just live ordinary lives. Um, but yeah, I hate everybody right now. I'm just fucking, I'm fucking sick of it, Biz. I've had it. Well, if you're in that mood, this is the show for you, because man, do we go through some trials and tribulations. You think so? Um, let's let's start with, Well, we, we have a new home. Okay, yeah. So, the last event we did was our last show at AFS. It was bittersweet. I remember being very melancholy as I walked, excuse me, out the door, because um, I... I personally don't think we're ever going back. I would love to go back. We've we've reached out to them, you know, um, and we just you it know. was comical. The response was comical. Yeah, um, but we've tried. We've tried to go hey, back. At, at least according to them, that space is getting all sorts of action. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that for one moment. I just so, think they just don't want to deal with us. Yeah. But um, I, which I don't understand. That's the thing that really pisses me off. We were never problematic. It was all the other wrestling companies that came in that they said that they wouldn't. They wouldn't utilize who yeah. caused problems, but no, no one wanted to listen to us. Nobody listens to Turtle. <laughs> um, so there, there used to be a habit of like you would put in a clause that no other wrestling promotion could like yeah. use the same space you were renting, and um, it's it's kind of silly in Austin when you're so competitive for a venue market to like yeah. have that potential sticking point. But man, it's starting to become like something that. We should probably start something else. I swear to fucking Christ, if I, if when we do negotiate a new home and we are there and some other J-Brone company comes in, I'm going to fucking do a legit 90s invasion. <laughs> I am. I'm going to, like, get up all the dudes that, like, you know, typically work for us and we're going to just run through the door and fuck shit up. That's, I don't care. <laughs> like, I, I think we have to kind of die. I mean, as much as I extol the virtue of how we need to progress as a business. There are some things that I really love about old school wrestling, that old school world where people broke people's kneecaps for fucking running their town and they didn't have any business doing it. So slashing tires in Georgia and whatnot, yeah. Yeah, man. I'm well, going to be doing that shit. You so, can't stop me. And, uh, well, we, we, um, we have a new building in mind. We have, you know, a date already set up. We're going to be moving to the Blue Genie and something very interesting happens between the time we leave and the time we can run our first show. <clears throat> so our good friends, uh, Danny Daniels from Chicago, comes down and runs an, an AAW show at the Blue Genie, which has never had wrestling before. Um, A guy who isn't local. No. Knows from about Chicago. This, yeah, knows about this spot somehow. Yeah, it got, it got out basically. I'm just gonna go ahead and I'm not gonna fucking set this up dramatically. Uh, you know, we found the building. We told a few people within our our company about five about five where we were going, and sure enough, this guy who was alien to our town. I see, like, I found AFS, which had never had wrestling in it before. Again, you know, is a building I found. That's that's another thing. Is like it's not just anybody's building. I found that motherfucker. Yeah. I brokered wrestling into it. I brought wrestling to that building, and I brought that building to wrestling, and and so that's one thing that when people kind of act like I don't really contribute much to the overall, um, the overall DNA of of you know local wrestling it's like no i changed that shit forever by finding all these weird fucking spots that no one else was running and they were totally uh viable and feasible and you know you could get in and you didn't have to pay an arm and a leg this is a town where real estate is highly overvalued okay um i found afs 
Zen Marquesa because I used to work at a bar called Beerland, and we had a catering license. And during Relay Weekend <laughs> one year, if you don't know what Relay Weekend is, it's it's a it's <laughs> it's this event where basically all the track and field uh, uh, teams from all the U.S. like high school team is it high it's, school a, teams? it's across texas but it's like high school teams but, right yeah but like think texas is like its own fucking country yeah so it's, oh so it's just texas yeah but there's it's so still many crazy. teams yeah man. Um, well think it's every school you, it's every school fucking across texas basically and it's predominantly like black kids it's uh, so it, it attracts like this culture right it's like you've got a lot of rap shows going on you've yeah. got like uh you know those those, those readers razor motorcycle guys coming into town you've got You've got car shows, you've got basketball competitions. It's all rooted around a certain type of culture. And one year, my bar wound up catering a, a party there. And I remember we had to have actual shit on hand for like Incredible Hulks and shit. Like we had to buy a bunch of, a bunch, of, a bunch of like Hennessy and stuff. And the building I thought was really miraculous. It was this small building that had a big event space. It had plenty of parking around it. And I just thought, wow, this would be perfect. And I remember when Biss originally reached out to me and said, "Hey, where should we run?" I said, "I don't know what you're gonna, what you want to pay, but I think this would probably be a good, a good opportunity. And this is the space, man." And sure enough, we wound up latching onto it, and we loved it. It feels big, but it's not too big. It's just the right size. And so, I, this something I'm proud of. I, fo- I found that building. Uh, Blue Genie was not a, a, a venue that you know, is alien to a lot of people because it does a Christmas bazaar that lasts several months over the years where people, vendors and artists uh, sell their, their wares for Christmas gifts and stuff. But it's not a building that someone like that motherfucker would know. He wouldn't know where that is. No. So it's really evident that someone within our little team went to him and told him where we were going. And it really pissed me off. I think I know who did it. But I'm really pissed off because we didn't even get a chance to really break the building in ourselves as the people that discovered it and that's what and i'll say it out loud like it was clearly tj okay. at this point there's no tj was was there it was disrespectful of him to do when that. when the show showed up um disrespectful when, yeah when they when they set up the show he was there so like you know it, it you know it was tj you know <laughs> and that's what really hurt my feelings was that it was we didn't get a chance to even be the first show in that building. Man, I'm into my second beer, and we're only like 12 minutes into this shit. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. stress-stricken over there, man. Ah, okay. Hey, man, it's Sunday morning. <laughs> there's a hurricane coming there's to wipe hurric- us off. Yeah, though. yeah. There's a hurricane. There's a, there's a hurricane brewing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... AEW, or AAW running that that space, you know, and they sucked. They, you know, well, they, they did not that's, draw worse shit. That's the thing is like all these companies come in and they treat our guys like total like enhancement talent, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like if you're going go to go into a market, you should try and maybe know a little bit about. I mean, I know I know a lot of people like to have this swelled ego of I've got my audience, but it's like, great, you have your audience, but you can also draw more people in. By giving a little bit of a shine to the local guys that actually do draw, you know, who actually do yeah. draw, like, locally, well, you know? And we're going to get to, like, GCW, right? Because at this point, I think we're already starting to work on the business with GCW. But GCW at this point kind of had this reputation of they would go in towns and, like, elevate local guys from there to yeah. fill out the rest of their cards. And I always thought that that really made their show special. Like, you would have guys that were, if they were in Atlanta City, were Atlanta City guys that maybe you hadn't heard of or if you weren't a super hardcore indie fan, you hadn't heard or knew who they were and you got exposed to them, right? Yeah. Uh, same thing with Texas, man. Like, when I see these people come in, you know, and they only use, like, one or two local guys, it still drives me fucking nuts because the talent's fucking incredible here. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I, I felt like when AAW came in, they, they, they kind of... They kind of looked at the local talent as being Bush League. That was my impression. You can see it in the way that they booked. But also, I will say, they didn't draw flies, man. Yeah, not only, time out. And I will also nothing. say this. I'm going to say this, too. This is another thing that I think makes our company above and beyond a lot of other companies. 
When you look at a space, you have to be creative about how you lay it out. I saw how they laid that building out that night, and it was not how I would have done it. And I think for the most part, it it was it was a negative for them. Yeah. Like, when I walked into the Blue Genie with Biss, and Biss will will back me up on this, I hope. I everybody was like, okay, we'll, we're going to set it up in a very normal way. And I'm like, no, we're going to do it in a weird kind of diagonal way. Yeah. And um, it. It just it made the show feel unique. It uh, optimized the, the the seating for for the, the space. Also, there were like uh, pylons. There were columns in the building. Yeah. Know, support structures. So the way that you lay it out and how you create the sight lines, you really have to be visual and you really have to look at it from a, stand, a standpoint of what people who are paying money need to see visually, like physically. So, um, yeah, man, I was just pissed because I found this building that. I found this building, we negotiated our terms, we were like, okay, cool, we're going to come in and do wrestling shows. It seemed like a good idea. And, and also I got in because I knew people who ran the bar. Uh, Rochelle Fox, who at the time was running the bar and, and helping with the catering elements of that space, was a woman who used to work at Beerland when I first began working there. So that was my connection. That was my in. I flexed my own personal connection. So when I use a personal connection to get in and negotiate stuff, and then some fucking asshole comes in and just acts like there's Le- nothing on the line. Leeches from behind. Yeah. That's my rep, you know? So, like, I, I mean, I, like I said, uh, continually I said, I don't, I don't really think TJ appreciated a lot of the stuff that, that I did. To get the contact that I did, I had to lean on a personal friendship and go, can you put in a good word for us? So when he did that, he brought this other company in. It ultimately kind of laid on my shoulders. Yeah, and it was the company that had just cost us the building. They cost they us. Just they, cost they, us the they just cost us AFS. Yeah. This is they. They ran an AFS and they cost us the fucking building over there. And then we negotiate this other spot that we had to go to because of these motherfuckers. Yeah. And then we get into the. We 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 were like planning our shit, and then we see that oh fuck. And I got to tell you one thing, okay. One of the things that we did was when AFS first opened, they did a phenomenal video package that showed you how to get to the space. It was a video that we used, uh, we appropriated, they filmed it, all credit to them, but we used it in all of our promos so that you could see how to get to the building from the interstate, okay? And we did that once again, courtesy of Eric Wood and Biz. They went out and they shot a spot. So we went out and we shot a spot because the thing is, is that if you don't know how to get to a building, it's, it's not helpful to the fans. We wanted to be able to make sure that you knew where to park, where to go, you know how to get there from the interstate. And we showed everybody how to get there from Marquesa. So there was like, okay, well, you know how to get to Marquesa? Well, this is how you get to Blue Genie. Yeah. But I think we showed from Marquesa and then also if you were yeah. coming south, how to exit without... Yeah. Have to go all the way up to market. Here's my opinion: their show did not draw well. Okay. The, no, they had to cut the building in half. Yeah. Almost uh, three fourths. Yeah. You know? So the show didn't draw well. The thing is, is that locally, I have the benefit of being in Austin to promote an Austin show. I'm promoting Austin. I'm, promo- I'm promoting to, promoting to Austin. Promoting the venue. Promoting my show. If those fucking morons had run after we ran our first show, I guarantee you the draw would have been different. Yeah. It would have been way different. Yeah. Because the wrestling fans would have known where to go. Yeah. I mean, we still fucking outdrew them on our first show. Yeah. So, and, and in fact, every fucking worker that was at that show came up and said, wow, you guys laid this out beautifully, and wow, there are way more people here. So, yeah. And, and you know we what? didn't have Pentagon, motherfuckers. We didn't have Pentagon. We didn't have any, we didn't have, like, we didn't have any of the marquee talent they had. Yeah. I mean, we had some names, but we didn't have, you know... Yeah, anyway, just fuck that company. Uh, fuck that company. I don't care. I think I was coming, like, I, I don't ever travel. I'm not really beloved by a lot of people in the wrestling community. I don't, I don't think I'm hated. I think I'm kind of, like, not even a thought. I, I think if you, I think at this point, I think early on maybe, but I think you paid your dues now. I think if you traveled more, you would be, it would be like when we would go to Houston. <sighs> yeah, I mean, if I traveled, but yeah. right now... I mean, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm not going. I'm not going to some fucking Trump rally, fucking dirt show up in fucking DFW. Fuck that shit. Anyway, so yeah, we're, we've moved. We've moved to Blue Genie. Um, this is where we actually. Also, I got to talk about the promo. Last show we did. Um, 
a match to determine who would be the new face of Inspire Pro Wrestling. And I had this grand idea that we would start doing uh, posters that looked like old Marvel comic uh, covers. Yes. Uh, presentation is everything to me, so a lot of the minor details are things that I really concern myself with, and I'm proud of them. I love this event title, and I love this poster. At the last event, we had done a match, a three-way to determine the new face of Inspire Pro, and of course, Ricky Starks uh, went up on that match, making him the new face of Inspire Pro. And this uh, poster, this event poster, feels like an old 70s Marvel poster, and we put his face in the box at the top corner, like you would often see Spider-Man or, you know, Colossus or or whoever in, in the in the top corner back in the 70s. That old that old uh, cover design, which I know is very much after Biss's heart. Oh yeah, this is a big comic guy. Yeah. In case you weren't familiar, especially capes. Love the capes. We don't have enough capes in our company. That's this is fair. Yeah. Although capes in wrestling, literal capes can be lame, but. Mask are awesome. Tell that to El Santo. Oh fuck! Because he had a cape. You just and a mask. shut me down. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> Blue Demon too. Like all those old Luchadors yeah. had, had Luch- capes and Luch- masks. Luchador capes are cool. Wannabe superhero capes are lame. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Hurricane. Um, anyway, so yeah, we are we are at Blue Genie. We're about to embark on this new chapter. I think we come into this with a really. I felt very confident. This this was going to be a big show. It was right? going to be a big show, but I also, like I said, I just felt confident. Yeah. And yeah, there are some problems with this show right off the bat. Um, yeah, man, we... <laughs> one thing also that's different about this show is I think at this point, Biss started to pitch bringing in folks who he just always wanted to work with. It was like we started to kind of do some bucket list stuff. Yeah. Um, and we also were choosing people. This is, this is at the point where AEW is really starting to roll. The indies are looking pretty bleak. Yeah. And I think at this point, too, though, it didn't quite hit Biss like, say, Wrestle Circus did. I know Biss was feeling pretty bleak when Wrestle Circus started to get, get its momentum rolling. Yeah. But at this point, we had been doing stuff that was so story and angle-based that it didn't matter. We knew what our crowd liked, and we knew that if people cared about those angles and the local uh, talent on the card, we didn't really have to rely on bringing in 80 big names or going broke or whatever. Yeah. Well, and this is also the peak of the fucking, the littest weekends with, uh, you know, a bunch of different promotions running where you yeah. could split cost, whereas before it was just on our shoulders to bring people in. And, and there were, the, you know, i got to bring this up. Um there's a moment I don't remember which event it was because I don't think you I can't remember but I'm just going to bring it up now there was a moment where we had you this Jeff Serta uh, Dylan Dunbar um, do we have and, and Roe and Roe yeah. from Lucha Brutal yeah. uh, we had we had all y'all in the ring at the same time yeah <clears throat> and it we really touted the fact that we had these four promoters from four different corners really coming together to cooperatively put these uh, weekends together, which were fun for the workers, got everybody paid, and just drew really good crowds. Yep. And I remember after we did that, a bunch of people up in Dallas got all butthurt about it. Oh, because they weren't that? part of it? No, you weren't in the building, fuck well, off. Not necessarily that, but they were like, oh, that's nothing special. People, yeah. in, people in Dallas have been working together forever. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, they, no, no, they, they haven't, haven't, number one. Y'all been fucking fighting for fucking years, eh? Yeah, I've seen you guys fucking run events on the same fucking <laughs> nights, but you didn't have to. Who was it? It was this dumb ref motherfucker. That's right. What's his name? Name names. Fuck this guy. I can't remember his fucking name. Yeah, you can't remember his name because he's fucking nobody. Yeah. yeah. Fucking nobody. Steve something or other, I want to say. Yeah. And what's funny is uh, I think he was with VIP in Lamont, somebody that we've worked with multiple times. Yeah. And we did Lamont, somebody yeah. we're cool with to this day. Yeah. So, like, you don't even know what you're talking about. VIP wasn't even really running. They were kind of like, they had that, like, v- Lamont, That's right. Lamont was working with a company up in DFW, yeah. but he was more running the school side of stuff, and they yeah. were kind of cooperative. They, they kind of, like, kind of like, you know, morphed into a single company. Yeah. But it wasn't VIP anymore. At this point, I think, yeah, it, yeah, it was DFW Pro was kind of the focus. Yep. So it was more of, a, like, a student thing. And mm-hmm. now VIP's back when they can run, yeah. you know? So, like, it, it, it's just people that don't know what the fuck yeah. they're talking about. I, I, wish I, I wish I knew. You know what? Look up this guy's name. I want to bring him up later. <laughs> No, you can do this. I got because I'm gonna rant a little bit. So the thing that pisses me off is that we got up there, and we spoke from our knowledge of 
working competitive competitively with other companies, right? And we had all four of us come together. Kiefer Bartek was also in the building, and he and he you know he was feeling the magic. There and there was magic there that night, you know. We came in, we set up the building like I thought it ought to be set up, and I remember at first like this was not quite getting it, but then Jack. He got it. He set it up, and everybody who came in just said, "Oh, this is this is great. This setup, the sight line is great. The seating is great. Everybody just felt it. Everybody was excited." But this guy, this guy up in fucking Dallas, this this ref, after the video got released of all four promoters being in the same ring at the same time from different companies talking about how we love each other and we're working to basically make wrestling stronger, that guy had to go online and tear us down kind of hypocritical buddy i just need to say that right off the bat if you were really working toward unifying texas wrestling and being a part of something you wouldn't go online and feel the need to tear what other people are doing down that just makes you look like a petty spiteful asshole anyway i just had to get that out of the way and you know what if you can't find this guy's name yeah. it's not a big deal i, I, I can't find my blocked list which i'm sure he's on yeah I, I don't block anybody but i know he blocked me i think i think i fucking he's like one of the first people in professional wrestling that because i was always like really quiet like yeah. I, I talked shit to darren but that guy i was like no man fuck you i don't know who the fuck you are yeah you know and, and I, I'm can you I'm even count to three mildly like, sure that he's not even involved in wrestling anymore um what a surprise. Yeah. So, <laughs> fuck, fuck that. Things are super positive at this point. So, like, but, and then that's the bitch of it. There's always these little fucking, like, dingleberries hanging on that fucking have to be negative about shit. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, we're at this point where we're able to kind of pick and choose who we're bringing in. Um, <laughs> there's, there, it's, it's actually, Getting to the point, but it's where also I'm, it's people you love, and yeah, it's, and it's people that you actually like that I want to have a chance to to see what what they look like in our company, right? So, in in hindsight, maybe this is a point where I should have said no a little bit more. But these cards are fucking stacked, so it's it's hard to it's hard to really be like, man, I I should have trimmed some of the names off and be like, well, who, you know? So, uh, I'm glad you didn't. Yeah, I think I think these, you know, I think these. Uh, these last few shows are, are really special. So we're going to go into this. I'm going to talk about um, our marquee match. Yeah. Our marquee match <laughs> was something that we had been building. Over a year in the making. Yeah, over a year in the making. And it was supposed to be Ricky Starks and MJF for the Inspire Pro Pure Prestige title. Okay. I Okay, so like... I like MJF. He's like a. He's a. I know he ha, he projects this image of being a total prick. Yeah. I don't know how much of that is a reality. I hear mixed things, but he was always very sweet to me, and it was hard to be mad at him when he did dumb shit, such as lose the pure prestige belt. Have we covered that on the podcast? We have not. Fuck it. Let's cover it. Okay. Here. So I don't even know where he lost it. Indiana. Okay, he, he was like in a restaurant, right? No. Was he, no? Was it just it, it was outside of his apartment? It was outside or? their apartment, Okay, yeah. I'm getting that story confused with when Mike Dell lost the fucking... <laughs> he, lost a fu he lost the fucking lion's pride belt outside yeah. of a fucking Waffle House or something, or I something, think. Something, yeah, eating yeah. breakfast. Yeah, so yeah, I think, I think that uh, the story he told me was that he had had it in the back of the car and Lainey Luck... Who, not Lainey Luck, no. um, Alley Cat, Alley yeah. Cat who he was dating at the time, had gone off to the gym and come back and had not locked the car. This is what I was told. Yeah. And so we lost that big, beautiful, pure prestige belt. And so we basically had a new one drawn up. It was designed. And it was cool because we had intended to put the belt on Ricky at this point anyway. Yeah. And we thought doing a new belt would be cool. But I got to admit, I was flummoxed. I was unhappy. I loved that belt. But whatever, you move <laughs> on. Belts run are fairly expensive pieces yeah, of uh, yeah, man. They're not. They're equipment not equipment too. Yeah, and uh, the belt. Just to explain. At this point, we started doing stuff that was very uh, Japanese themed. That the new belt, the new pure pure prestige belt that we were uh, uh, like debuting that night, uh, had a fox theme, and uh, I we were trying to attach different colors, different animals to each belt. Um, you know, we had we had. The Phoenix belt, which was the first belt in that lineage, which was also very similar to the Twin Dragon belts. Yeah. And then we have the Fox belt. Um, 
going into the show, MGF was doing a lot of work in AEW and was also working at AAA. Um, and it's not too. It's not. It's 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 pretty. It's, pretty, it's coming up on our show when we get news from MGF that. Uh, it's it's the night before. It's the night there's, before. There's a big there's a big AEW. It's one of their like BR Live exclusive pay per views, and he's supposed to come out the night after do our show. And two Which weeks, he'd done stuff like that before. Yeah, yeah. This has been no big deal. He'd uh, been on the night after all, uh, all in. He, yeah. He, he, he flew in after partying his ass off and just slept in the back. But he was like stoked to do it. Yeah. Um, so the the issue was is this is where him and Cody were were like a team, mm-hmm. and him and Cody were in a tag team match in AAA like two weeks later, and he had injured something, his ribs. Shoulder. Leg, I saw it. Leg. Some, Whatever. Some part of him injured. So, um, I I wake up to, hey, they they want to pull MJF um, for this AAA match. And I'm like, eh, let me talk to him because we can work around this. Like, yeah. We just basically need to get him in the ring and we can tell the story. We've done this before. We just talked about doing this with LAX, right? So, but as I'm talking to him, it becomes very apparent that uh, QT Marshall has actually already changed his his travel arrangement. Which is bullshit, because the thing is that he could have just shown up and made an appearance. He didn't even technically have to get in the ring. He just had to show up. If he showed up... We could have done something unique with it. He could have done an appearance. He could have done a signing. We could have delivered something. But in my opinion, it just seemed like he... There were people who even kind of questioned the injury. I'm, I'm going to be forthright. Yeah. I heard through the grapevine from seven, several people that he just didn't want to be there. And that hurt me. Um, and I know it was bad for Ricky. I know yeah. I, I know Ricky was tremendously disappointed. Um Granted, we're not some fucking... We're not drawing thousands and thousands of people. But nevertheless, it's like... When we look back on this shit, we want to be able to say with heart that we are proud of what we produced. Yeah. And we took a year... Like, something you can never do in the indies is an angle. We took a year to build up this it, angle, you know? And this is the shit that people will go back and tell you why you can't do it. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. I think once you see our finished product, it's a testament to our ability to roll with the punches, but... I think you're still able to because when it hits, it hits. Um, this is also funny to me because <laughs> this is like whenever I I, I speak about I the think, business of wrestling. Didn't QT also come back and tell you some stuff about? Not me. Who was he, it? he never talked to me. Who he may have talked to somebody. TJ. Somebody contacted you about the funniness of this situation. I thought. But I could be wrong. Oh, maybe you're right. No, I remember this very, very distinctly. I can't yeah. remember who it was. But someone contacted you and said, hey, we didn't pull him from the show. He pulled himself from the show. Yeah. And they actually said that his leg was not, the extent of his injury was not, was not. The, I think that was QT contacting TJ. Okay. So yeah. we were told that from QT that the extent of the injury was not, um, was not was not as, as what MJF made it out to be. And what I heard was that at that point he was just tired, didn't want to make the appearance, had better shit going on, and wanted to keep himself fresh for the AAA event. Which, fine, okay, whatever. This is funny, right? Because whenever we talk about the business of professional wrestling and we talk about the great stuff that AEW is doing today, people will like kind of give us the like Homer treatment, yeah. like we're being homers for them. We have no reason to be homers for AEW. AEW really did nothing but make our jobs harder, you know? Um, yeah. Like, there's an affinity that I have for that company because they they, um, they employ people that I consider friends, mm-hmm. and they employ people that we've worked with very closely. But, like, as a company, we have no reason to no, fucking to stick up for them or to, to jockey for them, right? Like, it's just, when you look at fucking facts, facts are facts, right? I, I, I also honestly feel like their heart is in it and they're trying hard. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're not the 800-pound gorilla <laughs> on the block, guys. They're, yeah. I feel like they, they run a company very much from their heart and, and it's a very pure 
uh, extension of what pro wrestling was at its best. Not in yeah. terms of like the weird carny business, but just in terms of trying to produce good, high octane pro wrestling. I watch I watch their product and I have fun. Whereas when I watch WWE, it's, I'm just bummed. And we have we have a lot and, and we have friends that work over yeah. there. You know, so they're, they're bummed too. Yeah, they're bummed too. Um, anyway, <clears throat> so but the, you know, this is the day of the show. We're waking up to this. Yeah, and we got to call an audible. We yep. call. We got to call an audible. I mean, Biz is pulling his hair out, <clears throat> and I'm just. I go directly into creative. Like, okay, well, let's fix this. How are we going to fix this? Who's the opponent? Blah 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 blah. <clears throat> and so I immediately, I had seen a promo that Steve-O Reno had done, where he. I, I was used, holding this close to my vest. Yeah. I remember not wanting you to see this, but I saw it. Yeah. And it is, the extent of the promo is basically how frustrated and angry Steve Arino is at having to basically just be held back while other people are getting opportunities within our company that he isn't. Yeah. Which is funny because he's been given so many opportunities. It just comes off like crybaby shit. Yeah. But it's really well done. It, it is, and it's genuine. It's genuine, but it's a smoking... It's a, yeah. it, but in the promo he says he's better than Ricky Starks. Yeah. And and right there you have the impetus for where we make our decision. Yep. So <clears throat> I decide we're going to change gears. I'm going to put the belt on Steve in a match against Ricky Starks. We're gonna play the promo before the match. And this is how it's going to go. And so I start setting up a projector, I start I get a screen lined up. I'm doing technical stuff that involves getting sound into the building for the video. We're basically going to have Ricky come out and we're going to announce the opponent after we play this video that's just scathing. It's yeah. a great promo. It would have set up the match perfectly. And uh, then we get to the building and Ricky doesn't like it. It's one of those times where I, it's a situation I'm learning from. I learn from. He says, no, man, let's not do all this. Let's just, you know, let's just build to something else, yada, yada. Let's, you know, let's do the steve match, but just, like, give me the title. Let's not play the promo. And uh, at that point, I think I'm just kind of defeated and tired. And i got to tell you that it was against my better judgment. My feeling was that Ricky was going to be leaving soon, and it didn't make sense to put the title on him. You know what I mean? Ricky's a guy who, who's been on this tear and just beating ass this whole time. He's been winning and winning and winning and winning. And I felt like if we were going to just move forward with Ricky potentially leaving to either go to NWA or AEW, we needed to hitch the belt to somebody else that would be available. Um, at this point, I believe NWA is also kind of being problematic about people that they have on their power program, and they're being very uh, exclusively minded with their talent, if I'm correct. That's um, true, but uh, Ricky's not with no, NWA but at this point. But the writing is on the wall. We know something is going to happen. We know he's going somewhere. There's talk about it. So it's not that he's anywhere. But no, we knew. We knew he was going somewhere. Not at this point. No. There was talk about it all through the, all through, like, everybody I heard said, yeah, Ricky's going to go here. Ricky's going to go there. It didn't matter that there wasn't a firm deal. The writing was on the wall. That he was Ricky, going Ricky is going somewhere. Yeah. You look at a guy, and you know a guy is there, and you know that they're going to fucking leave at some point. You know it. You know? It's kind of like you can say that about guys like Ryan Davidson, okay? There have been times where I said, I have plans for Ryan Davidson, and people go, that guy's going somewhere. Yeah. So that's but, the way it goes. Yeah, but I think you, you got to think too, like, like Ryan Davidson to this point still hasn't gone anywhere. And we went through this with the Starks before, right? Where it was like, oh, he's going somewhere. And then he got stuck in the extra talented. I think at this point, bag. I heard rumors about NWA. I had heard rumors. Yeah. And I knew that he had people looking at him. From AEW. It, I definitely is, heard that. Yeah, this is about the time that he had... Uh, the AEW folks definitely from Atlanta were, yeah, were interested. Right? And you can argue you can argue with me all you yeah. want, but I think looking at Ricky and his momentum at that point and all the rumors I'm hearing, I think the decision that I had in my head to put the belt on Steve made more sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, uh, this is also about the time that he, he had his self... 
produced uh, promo videos that were were blowing up. Yeah, as there far you as go. getting views and that. So it just to me made it, to me it was very obvious that he was going to go some somewhere. Didn't know where. Didn't know when. Just had the idea that we weren't going to be holding on to him much longer. Yeah. Um, I didn't have concrete evidence. I didn't have yeah. anything like that. I just had my own intuition based on the things that I was hearing. And people talk. Um, anyway, Ricky kind of was like, no, man, just put the belt on me, blah, 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 blah. And it, it was against my better judgment that I relented. And I was also kind of pissed. I was pissed. I was pissed for this whole show. Because I just wanted, I, it was one of those times where people like, objected to something that I wanted to do creatively. I thought that going into this match, not playing the promo, we didn't have the heat. You know, if you'd had that little bit of a bump at the beginning, it would have been dramatically really good. Yeah, I... I and I also, I went to all that trouble to set all that shit up, and it broke my fucking neck getting all that stuff together technically at the last minute. Yeah. See, if I hadn't done that, I would have pushed for the promo. I, I was under you the You knew impression. I did that, dude. I was, no, no, I was under the impression that it didn't play properly. No, it all worked. Everything was working. I was working on it when it got, like, pulled. I was working on it with Josh. It was fine. It was yeah. working fine. See, I, I, I agree we should have played the yeah, promo. Yeah, well, I was fucking mad. Yeah. And that pissed me off. We should have played the promo. But you told me to sit on the promo till after, so we could play it, like, on our post-show stuff. Yeah, because I... Well, it got I buried. mean, that was the reason why. It got buried, though. Yeah. It would have been better live. Yeah. And it would have put Steve in a different light. It didn't yeah. set anything up. We just throw Steve out there, and Steve gets bullied by people again. That's the way I saw it. And this is a fact. People shit on Steve. And people shit on Steve because he does have kind of an immature attitude. He does get overly emotional about stuff. And people pick on him. People have been picking on him for years, okay? And the thing is, is that I don't think that anybody wanted to frame him in the light that I did, which would have kind of launched him in a different direction and given him a lot more focus, because they didn't fucking like him. Oh, there was definitely... They definitely did not like each other. Right. There Let's was talk def- about there that. was yeah. definitely some underlying. Stevo and Ricky do not like each other. <laughs> they did not like each other. Um, to this day, they probably don't like each other. Yeah, and uh, and they trained at the same school. Yeah. Lots of kerfuffles. You know, just like people not getting along. Even talking Ricky into doing this match was hard. Yeah. Um, he didn't necessarily think that that should be the guy, but at the same time, it was like. There were no other options. There were no other options, you know? And it's like, you have to be pragmatic about it, but also I thought I thought it was a good idea because they had never met in a ring. It was a first-time match, yeah. I believe. And so that also gave it kind of a rub, and, you know? And we'll, we'll get to the match itself, but, like, it's kind of a shame, you know, that they didn't have more matches. It is. You know? It is. Um, anyway, so... We're gonna move ahead, and we'll get to that shit a little bit later on. But first of all, we're gonna we're gonna kind of launch into uh, things that we were doing differently at the building. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> foremost, okay. So I had an idea to start doing a dark match. Yep. I always hated the way that ACW did dark matches because they felt really inconsequential. But I thought as people were coming in, if they could see action, it would be really good. And I just wanted to do one match at the start. It would get people to the building again a little earlier. They get inside the building. It'd be fun, right? I really want to punch back, but it's not the time. Go ahead. Do you, Do you remember when the, they first started running the Mohawk? Those dark matches, because I booked those. Uh huh. Do you remember when it was like Jake's versus fucking? Yeah, but those, uh, that's when it was good. But that's yeah. not what it wound up. Being. Yeah, yeah, and then it became fucking Jack off friends time. Yeah. But yeah, that's what you're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm not talking about you know ACW. Ooh, I'm in my truffers. I'm gonna. ACW was good at times yeah. earlier on, but you're gonna you're not gonna tell me that it wasn't dog. Oh, shit. when it was you know fucking Children of Pain versus fucking Rachel and Jessica every week. Yeah, yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Continue. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think just in general, right? Yeah. It, an indie show that runs a dark match, even if it's is broadcast, right? And they just throw two people that are completely, you know, not part of their product out there. It, it never comes across like you want the first thing. That no, seen. I will say this. Nobody that is in a ring, even if in a dark match, is somebody that we don't respect and want to see yep. go somewhere. Even if we're just trying them out, there's somebody that we're really interested in. And this, uh, so, but I, I also liked the idea of people coming into the building to wrestling action. Yeah. To action, because that's what people want. It's kind of like the same, uh, uh, 
mentality behind not starting a show off with a promo. Nobody goes to a wrestling show to watch people fucking talk, okay? They go to see the action. And that's the idea here. People were walking in, and it made them get in their fucking seat faster. Yes. It made everything move <laughs> a lot faster. They said, oh, shit, something's popping off. And here we have the bear fighter, Dmitry Alexandrov, with Joe DeMauro, Fuego Del Sol, who's going on to do stuff in AEW right now, and uh, Shane Saber. Yeah, and this this was our first time using Fuego, right? Yeah, and I believe Shane. Uh, yeah, it was the first time with Fuego, and Shane came down, I think, with Cody. Yeah, Shane had, from this, Canada. This was like a weird Canada deal where they had all driven down. Um, it was uh, Shane Saber, um, Cody, uh, Dan. Oh, what the fuck was Dan the Dad's real name? But it was Dan the Dad was on this trip, and we couldn't get him on the card. Yeah, that was one that we we had the Danny Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is actually the show where, like, Dan the Dad, the gimmick, came together. Oh, yeah? Not, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think Jody Threat was maybe on that carload, too, that we were not able to, to get a spot for. So this is the weird thing, too, where, like, there's a million and one awesome workers in the fucking city or in the area, and you have to say no to some of them? Yeah. I started getting real, agit like, irritated by that because I would go, no. And people are like, oh, come on, man. I'm like, no, man. Yeah. Fuck, fuck off. Well, because, you know, the other promoters want to be able to split the cost. Yeah, so the and it's, more it's great, but it's on, like, you know, it's, it's like, we have a, when you look at our card, you know that we're going somewhere. The road is paved. We can't yeah. be adding all these bells well, and whistles, you and, know? And here's a dark match that's a four-way. Yeah, it's right? a, a four-way. Like, we're, four we're already bloated the gills, it's a, right? But it's a four-way that we planned in advance. It was something yeah. that I wanted to do. It was an opportunity to look at people. It was an opportunity to actually launch a few storylines and do stuff, you know? And that's what we did. This. And this um, is also a good chance because, you know, be, people may or may not know this, but Shane Saber has quite a bit of influence up north. Yeah. And I know Dimitri's gone up there since yeah, this match. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but we kicked off the actual show. You know, after the dark match, we had Richard Whitaker come out with his wonderful voice, introduce the show, welcome us to the building. Um, it feels good at this point because people were just there. Yeah. People were there for it. It felt great. And, and it was a big crowd. Yes. It almost felt like um, if we'd had this crowd at uh, AFS, it would have been may, stifling. Yeah, it may not have fit in. No, not yeah. at all. And uh, we have... Uh, we this have, is a... Yeah, we start off with a, uh undefinable title match with the Lawless Darkness, Cody Lane, against but, his buddy, Ethan Price. Yeah, well, this is an open challenge, right? Yeah. So he doesn't know it's going to be co um, Ethan, Ethan coming no. out. <clears throat> so this originally was supposed to be Shotzi Blackheart. We had to, oh, they yeah. Both, they both wanted to work each other, and we had kind of built this up. But, <laughs> well, Shotzi gets a contract. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Shotzi, yeah, Shotzi, Shotzi had to be taken out. Yeah, so she actually had to report... Um, I think like two weeks earlier yeah. than this weekend. We okay, so like a lot of the times uh, we have storylines planned out like a year in advance. Yeah. And I had a long-term storyline where we were going to launch into something, and we just decided to kind of bring it forward and start earlier. And the whole idea was going to be that we were going to have Cody kind of become a, this huge bloated dick with a huge ego, um, and he was going to. Have to be put back in place by his friends. We're going to bring him back down to earth, and we we're going to have, uh, we we're going to have Ethan, and we we're going to have Zach, Zach Taylor, and uh, and and Cody. Those three were basically about to explode. Yeah. And and this is a this is a piece of that puzzle. This is not yeah. the end piece, right? <clears throat> no, it's so. not. But like the idea, and and they we all were built. We were building to an ecstasy of gold. Where there, were, there was going to be a three way with all yep. three guys. And when I pitched this months before, they loved it. They loved it. This was around the time uh, Cody and um, <clears throat> Ethan started to become kind of problematic and were like, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I'm just like, and they were like, are you sure this is going to be good? And I'm like, no, man, it's going to be bad because everything I book, I aim to keep it real fucking mediocre. <laughs> anyway, so Cody comes out, open challenge. Ethan comes through the curtain and it's a fucking cannon. The yeah. crowd, the crowd, it's like the loudest pop of the night, man. Yeah. People go nuts. Um, and when he comes out, like the crowd is up and they're up for the rest of the night. Yeah, and this is, a, you know, he cuts the promo where he's basically like, hey, you're kind of becoming a dick. Uh, Zach comes out with him. Yeah. You know, so Zach's out there with, with Ethan and uh, 
they kind of cuts the promo where like, hey, you're kind of becoming a dick. Like, we're friends, though. Let's have this match. Let's, you <clears throat> know, let's prove it to each other. Yeah. And it starts off, and then piece by piece, Cody starts taking shortcuts. He's being really, yeah. and he's really denigrating uh, Ethan. And yeah. it's really amazing to watch. And also, at the end, Cody goes up, and he goes up technically dirty, but he's a lawless darkness, so yeah. it doesn't matter. And, and um, I'll yeah. really... I really give props to Eamon and Stu here because they really do a good job of telling the Lawless Darkness story. Yes, they do. Where Stu's kind of like, well, fuck this guy. He's cutting corners. And Eamon's like, well, is he really? You know, like he's Lawless Darkness. So technically there are no corners to cut. Um, so but it's really a test of integrity, which is the yeah. whole the whole, the whole uh, idea behind the Lawless Darkness. Yeah. But yeah, Cody, uh, Cody, uh, mm-hmm. Defeats Ethan here, and Ethan kind of explodes, and uh, yeah. Zach gets in the middle, and Zach Zach's kind of angry at Cody, yeah. and then it's almost like, all right, Ethan, it's time to calm down, and Ethan's like, who the fuck are you to tell me to calm down? And we have this nice little three-way tension. sort of There's tension, a lot of tension going on. yeah, and it's great, and we're, we're the idea is to go to go in this direction, and the thing is, is that we're setting this up, and in future shows, I start to get guff over. Yeah, we want to change directions, and it's like, I, I want to grab them and <laughs> clunk their heads together like Mo and go, no, man, we're doing this shit, and yeah. there's always time to do other stuff. It, but right now, this is where we're going. And the thing is, is that a lot of guys go, well, I want to yank this idea out. And it's like, well, you can't just change your direction because you don't know what I have planned for XYZ over in the corner over here. I've got other ideas. The tangled know? webs we weave. Yeah. Right. So That's the point. That's yeah. right the name. It's like everything is kind of interconnected. Connected, intertwined, you know. Yeah, guys really, because they, they themselves are a sports car, right? Yeah. They can be going 100 miles an hour and fucking hairpin fucking turn, right? Yeah. But creative is more like a fucking ocean liner, man. Yeah. You can't just turn creative on a dime. You got to no. fucking plot your course and... Every guy in the back is going, what's the plan, brother? Yeah. You know, and, and the only way you can really sate people is to go... This is the plan tentatively. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of wrestlers know what tentative means. <laughs> um, anyway, it's a great match. It's a great opener. Oh, phenomenal. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I was so proud. I was like, I had, I almost cried during this match because I was just so happy that this is our opener. This is the angle. People are getting it. And People, you see the crowd respond to stuff. Like, that's the most amazing thing is when you book something and you like laid out the pieces and you see the crowd responding to it and going, Oh, yeah. they, they told the story too. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. Um, I, I want to put over to the end caps that uh, Eric Woods has put together for, uh, for these. Um, oh, and mow it, right? Mow it is instrumental. But, it, it, yeah. Mow it is a genius creatively. Eric being there, but uh, Eric's shit is golden, but mow it's backstage stuff. Off yeah. the chain. It's, it's like if you're in a restaurant, like Moet is giving him this like beautiful cut of meat, mm-hmm. and fucking yeah, Eric's just garnishing it just perfect. Yeah, like, it's, but uh, but Moet beautiful. finds beautiful ways to frame things in different locations. Yes, and they feel very organic. They don't feel very staged. Yes, but I yeah I really love this stuff. Yeah. Um. Up next we have the beginning of a really interesting and fun angle <laughs> where we have the cool. Uh, Versus friends under corporate contract, T-Ray and Ashton Jacobs. And this is launching an angle where the cool are kind of implying <laughs> that they want Dan. Yeah. They want Dan as their man. And it's very rare that you see wrestlers recruit uh, a, a manager. manager yeah. <laughs> but they do it in a highly manipulative fashion. Yes. <laughs> where uh, this this was the fun the fun idea was that they're they're kind of fucking with Dan and they're fucking with friends in a corporate contract and almost kind of doing the nudge nudge wink wink thing with Dan and making everybody think that Dan is really on their side and so he's they're sowing the seeds of paranoia in Ashton and T-Ray and we just don't know where they're like where this is going um but this is this is a great match yeah another great end cap after it too yeah and Will all day here this is like holy shit yeah this is kind of his coming out party in a way like um, like he 
we'd seen him and we'd seen what type of athlete he is, but he's phenomenal in this. Yeah, he kills here. Um, um, this also makes me sad that Kiefer has since retired because yeah. like, Kiefer is really fun in this match. Kiefer too. is Kiefer is a legit bruiser, yeah. and Kiefer is also just he's a hoss man. Yeah, like um, Kiefer, Kiefer's trained in. Um, in jiu-jitsu and uh, and muay thai striking as well like, but he's a tall guy yeah like so like people kind of laugh because he, he the cool stuff is kind of comedy right and um but like <laughs> Kiefer's sort of legit too like not like mma fight record legit but like I knows his shit there, you know? there, there, like as a guy who worked door for over yeah. 20 years there are very few people that i would not want to tangle with he's one of them yeah like you know so, so like uh that's I'm kind of happy that we're able to, like, bring some of that stuff out, too. Yeah. And Will is just, he is a machine. Uh, Will just has this just million-dollar smile, amazing physique. Uh, He can just go high. He can go low. He's phenomenal. But um, the cool goes over in this match in a way that almost kind of makes it seem like Dan is uh, stacking a deck against his own team. But Dan is just like, what the fuck? No. Dan's perfect, too, because, like, as they exit, he's sort of like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. But at the same time, he's like weighing his options. Yeah. So uh, in Dan, putting Dan with, with in between with Will and what they're doing is, is just phenomenal. And what's really good is that uh, because they have Will and uh, Cam as well, they come off more like Dan than Dan does at yes. times. So you see like this guy who's like very much like just the cool and then you have this team that's like Dan yeah. so there's kind of like this interesting uh, this, this just this interesting collision of personalities here but Dan is very clearly uh, going no guys no <laughs> but you don't know if he's full of shit what's great too, do you remember the end cap after this yeah it's amazing yes so it's Kiefer and it's Will out just hanging out right and uh, they're out on the picnic benches that are in front of the venue and they're basically talking about how great Dan is. Yeah. And, like, it's awesome because, you know, because this is very Will. And Dan, but, Dan, Dan is in the promo. He comes up, right? No, no, no not this, this one. Is this is one? just okay. them, like, gushing over Dan. So, like, as you're watching at home, you're like, what the fuck is going on here, right? But they're like, Kiefer's like, you know, there's one man that we need to give thanks for our victory today. And Will's like, that's right, the Lord. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, besides him, he's like. Oh, you mean like Cam? Like, yeah, but besides him and Rachel, besides him, like, should we thank Booker? Do we need to thank Booker? Yeah. yeah we can thank Booker, but there's one more. <laughs> and no, then they get to the, like, yeah. Dan has a, like, all damn day t-shirt on, and Kiefer just kind of covers up the M. I'm like, all damn day. And they start, like, at this damn, <laughs> it's the most obnoxious, like, frat boy shit ever, but it's fucking beautiful. Oh, man, yeah, no, Moet killed it. That was, like, when I really, I saw... Because Moet came to me before the show, and he's like, I have a way of wanting to film stuff. Can I, can you just, I said, motherfucker, go. <laughs> I love you. And he, you know, Moet's a talented filmmaker, so. You know he's just sitting at home thinking of ideas, too. I cannot wait to, like, I cut gotta, him loose. And I gotta say, I think, like, my whole idea always was to have a team of guys who are proficient and at the top of their game, all contributing to this pile. Me, personally, I think I'm good at angles. I'm good at production, right? I think you're great at, uh, basically bringing in the talent, negotiating, doing the back, the backstage stuff. Then we had Eric who's doing beautiful work on the camera along with the I shoot wrestling guys. Right. And then you had Moa doing beautiful, creative stuff that really showcased the personalities of the wrestlers. And it was just, God damn it, man. Yeah. Wonderful. And that's something that I've been really big on is, you know, the, the promos and, and these, these end caps and that, like, sure, you can watch guys wrestle, and you can watch a promo in a ring, but you can't have two promos before every match. You can't have no. six promos before a scramble, right? So, like, these are chances to really show, you know, the personality of these guys, that they're not just another guy in there doing a fucking Canadian Destroyer. You know what I mean? Yeah. This really gives you the, the like, meat and potatoes to, like, bite into creatively what these guys are, you know? All right. And after that killer tag team match where we saw we saw some, you know, real great stuff going on, uh, we have uh, the Inspire Pro title number one contendership five-way match. And this is one of those matches where we kind of kind of stuffed everybody <laughs> yeah. everybody into a, in, 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 into a ring. 
and uh, I don't know how much are, how much are we supposed to talk about changing direction in this match? Because we did. There was somebody else yeah. that was supposed to win. Well, ori- originally too, uh, Ethan was. This was a six way that. Uh, yes, Ethan, Ethan was supposed. Was Ethan was supposed to be in this. So so we pull Ethan out. But yeah, let's go ahead. Okay. Um, so in this match we have uh, Tony Deppen. We have Gregory Iron, who we love just being around, and he's doing a lot of stuff in heavy metal at this point, you know. Uh, we have Mysterious Q, who is a Booker student uh, up at uh, ROW. Phenomenal talent. Very, uh, very muscular, very very muscular, stocky, like masked wrestler. Yeah. Uh, just has a lot of different cool components to just his look that make him very different. Um, he looks like an action figure. Um we have uh, Jenna Lynn, and we have Luigi Primo from Party World Wrestling. Uh, Luigi is, is it fair to say, kind of like the, the brainchild behind uh, Party World at this point? At this point, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he's had, he's been pretty instrumental in its development, right? Ma- major part of the office yeah. over there. And at yeah. this point, too, we've been showing Luigi. Luigi's been training very hard under the tutelage of uh, Jojo Bravo. Yeah. He's been, uh, Jay Sirius, he's been... He's been training hard. He's been going down to, uh, he's been going down to uh, uh, San Antonio doing stuff in, in, in heavy metal. Heavy metal, yeah. Yeah, and at this point, um, you know, I think I originally had it on paper that Jenna Lynn was supposed to to win. It, it, yeah, I think that's right. Um, because we were sort of flirting with coming back to that. Yeah, but um, I don't know what happened. There were some things that occurred that it seemed kind of like she had been kind of coasting is that fair to say or is that mean yeah i th- i think there was some stories i'm not trying to be mean yeah yeah and and honestly i felt like it was more of luigi's meteoric rise but also there were rumblings that jenna was not making all the practices was not yeah. able to was not you know and and i don't know if it was i don't think it was just that she decided to shop stop showing up to practice so i want to kind of walk on eggshells here a little bit right I yeah think she may have had some stuff going on but was not able to, to put she, in the, like, honestly the time that she was yeah, before. I, my, my impression, too, is that the enthusiasm was not... I don't I don't feel like she... I felt like maybe there was something yeah, going I, on. I never picked that up, but that's it's possible. And, like, the people that would know knew, right? Yeah. Um, I still wanted to do something with her, but I thought maybe we should wait a little bit. Also, I think with the... Just the way that the crowd felt, too... I, I don't know if it would have been the right move to go back to Well, her. I think a lot of people who saw the response to Luigi, Luigi's fun, right? Yeah. But Luigi also kind of leans toward a lot of the stuff that I would do gimmick-wise. And a lot of the stuff that I would do gimmick-wise, you look back over the years, I would do gimmicks that people would be excited about because they thought they were fun or they were silly, right? But a lot of companies would just treat that like comedy, and they wouldn't give a guy like that, like like Luigi, like a big push or a shot, even if they like kind of like um, uh, uh, Santino, and and you know, yeah, Santino Morello, right? There was a time where Santino was undoubtedly as popular as John Cena, yeah, but they never bothered to take that guy and do something with him in terms of a title. They just kept goofing and goofing and goofing, right? Yeah. And my opinion is that if a guy is that over. Put him at the fucking top, you know. It, it the, the, you know, you don't always have to have the JC like, uh, you know, the the varsity player or whatever, you know, JV varsity, whatever. Fuck, I'm tired and I'm drunk. Fuck <laughs> off. Anyway, um, you know what I mean. You know, like I don't, I don't personally like Cena just because he seems like the guy that always wins the 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 football game and gets the girl and gets the hot car and then gets the scholarship. Like I don't identify with that guy, so that guy can go fuck off, right? <laughs> But Santino, I kind of like because he's got a unibrow and he's fucking dorky and, you know, he's always getting beat on. He's an underdog, right? Luigi's an underdog. And and I think a lot of people out there, they identify more with the underdog than they do with the, the super handsome jock, you know? So when I would see, when I would see like Luigi, I was like, this guy, he has it. People love him. He's working hard. He loves this shit. And he was always so humble, you know? Yeah. And I was like, why can't he be a champion? This match was underdog 
fucking overdrive. Yes. Like, look at this line. It's all underdogs. Bro. <laughs> like, I'm watching this back. I almost feel bad for Deppin and Q. Because it's like, holy fuck. Like, yeah. you have almost made Mysterious Q the underdog of this fucking scramble. By like, putting him around underdogs. Bro, like, every fuck. Like, like he, he can, uh, this is Mysterious Q debut match with us, right? Like, this motherfucker ain't getting popped by fucking Q-cutting, you know, Gregory Irons or Jenna Lynn, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, I remember he was kind of down on himself, too. Um, I was like, nah, man, you were fine. Like, there'll be there'll be other chances. Um, we, we leaned heavily into how much of a heel Deppin was. Yeah. So that really helped us out here. But, yeah, um, the great part here is it's, it's one fall to a finish, which helps us out a lot. Because yeah. we really... Guys will come and ask you, how was the match? And I can sit there and be like, oh, well, you fucked up that German suplex. You didn't land flat on your shoulders. You were a little off on your drop down. Any of that shit. But none of it matters. No one sitting in a chair is going to give a shit about that after the show. There might be some dumb motherfucker that sits there and yells shit during it. Yeah. But you're going to remember, you know, as long as there wasn't any major blotches, and they're going to remember the finish. And the finish is Luigi getting the surprise O'Connor roll on Deppin. And the place fucking explodes. Oh, God. It was a moment. That was a moment. And it was a moment that I didn't necessarily anticipate. Yeah. Because I thought, oh, people would be happy that Luigi won. But it the context of there being a contendership match on the line, I think, clicked with people. This was one of those shows where I was like, people really pay attention to this shit, don't they? Yeah. Like, I've always, like, done it for myself. I did it for myself. I do it for creative fulfillment. I'm a guy that's always wanted to make movies all my life, right? And I've never been able to make a movie. I've made music videos. I've made commercials. Wrestling has always been an outlet for me to make stories happen in a very minimal fashion. But to see that people are paying attention to stuff and to see what they care about, man, you got to weigh that. And it made me feel really good. This was really a show where I felt like we came into our own in a lot of ways. But, uh, man, it was just... This match plants a really important seed going forward for a moment that I feel is like one of the top five greatest Inspire moments. Yes. Uh, but anyway, we're going to stop for now and we're going to pick up uh, at, at the next uh, the next episode uh, and finish the rest of the card. Um, you're going to hear us talking a lot. We're going to have to break up a lot of these episodes. Even though this is the final five, you're not yeah, going to get just God, five episodes. God knows so. what it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Uh, please come back next week. And you know what, man? Please send us some messages. We know that we see people. We see the traffic. We see people. The listenership, the numbers are crazy. But people don't really bug us a lot. So bug us like crazy. Bug us like crazy <laughs> and talk to us, especially because we're rounding up on the end of this series. We are 50-something episodes in, and we are toward the end of the company in terms of just, uh, you know, post-pandemic. Uh, but we would love to hear from folks. So please hit us up. Thank you, and we will see you next week. <laughs>